Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. What is truth? We're continuing in our series as we ponder that question. What is truth? As you may recall, last week, we talked about Hananiah the prophet who prophesied good things and said, we are only going to be under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar for two years. And then God spoke to Jeremiah after the prophet had said amen because it sounded good. It sounded good to the prophets, the priests, and the elders, and all the people. But God said, I haven't spoken to him. And he sent the prophet back and told them it's going to be 70 years. As I've reflected from week to week on those messages in ancient Israel and the response of the people, and I think about the times that we are currently in, it is hard to know what is truth unless you are rooted and grounded in the faith. Because truth is not about ideology. Truth is not about opinion, as I've said in the past. It's not about philosophy. Truth is centered on the whole counsel of God. And I, I just want to take a moment to honor our founders because they've laid a firm foundation of truth, which makes it easier to build on even if the world is going to and fro and reeling like a drunk man and staggering at the noonday because every wind, every doctrine, propaganda, and all these things in the eyes of the beholder and in the eyes of some represent truth. When there is a foundation of truth, there is stability. When there is a foundation of truth, you are less likely to be distracted. And so I just want to take a moment to honor Bishop and Pastor Hyacinth for their labor and for the many decades that we've been established in the Word of God. As I was uh, talking about this indirectly uh, with my wife at home, I realized that she has some superpowers in that she's able to see stuff that most people would miss, including myself, cut through all of the stuff and see things for what they are. And I'm so grateful to God that he's joined us together because while I'm preaching, she's watching. And watching is as important as praying. Jesus said, watch, and pray. And so I'm grateful to God for all those who watch on the wall so that we're not taken with every wind and doctrine. The reason gifts are in the church is so that we would all come together in the unity of the faith and in the bond of peace so that we would no more as children be tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine. And I'm so grieved when I see 
the fractures, the cracks, even in the body of Christ. We can talk about praying for a thing, but the way we see it is so different that we can't even agree. And I'm talking about the broad body of Christ because that's how God sees it. He only sees one church. I pray that we, we enter into a season that what prevails is truth, the truth of the gospel. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day because you've made it. We come rejoicing. But God, we pray now that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things coming out of your word. Give us insight, give us revelation. You promised that your people would know the truth and the truth would make us free. I pray that every sheep of yours would hear your voice. I pray that those who are of another fold that you've caused to hear this word today would hear you and come to you because you are the good shepherd. You are the truth. Bless us now and make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna continue in the book of Jeremiah and I, I just want to give a little bit of context before we dive in. After the death of Hananiah, and uh, now we're in Jeremiah 29. God has the prophet Jeremiah do something very specific because he's trying to bring the people back to himself so that they understand what his plans are for them. They've had enough of trying to figure out in their own minds and in their own hearts what God is saying based on what they see around them, based on what they hear from prophets whom God has not sent because it, it tingles their itching ears. In the first chapter of the 29th verse, it says, in the first verse of the 29th chapter, it says, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. For those who were remaining, who were being brought into Babylon, shackled and in chains, including the priests, the prophets, and all the people. God asked Jeremiah to write a letter. And when the people saw the content of the letter, they put their heads in their hands. They bowed their faces to the ground. Some wept. They were in sorrow because they recognized that they had believed a lie. And now they're getting instruction from God and it's very different than the plans that they had, than the future that they saw because they had been going their own way. They believed divination. 
They believed things that were not of God. And now it's a time of reckoning. In verse 3, it says, the letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Jim, Jim Ariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. What God was saying is settle in because you're going to be here for a while. I know that you've been told that it's only going to be brief. It's only going to be two years, but I'm telling you now to settle in. It's going to be a generation or two that you're going to be here. But I want you to see something. And this shows the humility of Jeremiah, the humility that every servant of God ought to have if you expect to hear God clearly. And if you expect to be used of God consistently in a world that is full of lies and falsehoods and direction that come from the hearts and minds of men and women and human nature versus that of God and the spirit of God. God gave Jeremiah the words to write. God commanded him to write the letter but the letter went by the hand of someone else, someone who was in authority. God allowed, Jeremiah made certain that King Zedekiah saw the letter and determined who got it. Jeremiah realized, I don't have to do everything. All I have to do is what God tells me to do. When I do that, I've done well. I've done my job. I've been a faithful servant. It's time out for thinking that everything ought to be in one person's hand. We're living in a time where people want to consolidate power. And when that happens, it's dangerous. None of us can get anything done without people assisting us and being around us. That's true in the world. That's true in the church. That's true in life. And Jeremiah modeled that. Even though he was given the assignment and the words were true, he could have been haughty and said, look, all these other prophets are liars. I am the prophet of God. And as such, I'm the only one who can touch this. This document is holy. You're unclean. You can't touch it because you're disobedient. That's not how God works. And so just as the prophet humbled himself, so it is with each of us. We are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And God is the one who will lift us up. The life of Jeremiah was not glamorous. It was in a time when the people were going through great distress but his messages were unpopular. 
It wasn't what people wanted to hear, but he faithfully set his face like flint and spoke the word of God in season and out of season. We're in a season where the word of God has been out of season. In this nation, the word of God is not embraced as it ought to be embraced based on the founding principles of this nation. But I believe God is going to bring us back to a place. He loves us so much that with a stretched out arm and a mighty hand, he's reaching. He's reaching. And he's got enough people. All he needs is a few people who will speak the word, who will stand on truth, who will not go to the right or to the left, who will speak to others in truth and in love to grow the circle of truth, to grow the circle of love, because love can overcome hatred, and love can overcome bitterness and strife and all those things. The greatest thing is love. And I want you to know that God is love. Even though the children of Israel was going through hardship, God was communicating to them that I love you. I've got some plans for you that you don't know about, but for right now, you are going to go through this because you need to know that I'm God. You need to know that I am the Lord. You spent too many years on the high mountains burning incense to wood and to stone, to that which is not God, those things that have eyes but can't see, have a throat but cannot speak. I'm bringing you back to myself, and even though you don't think this is necessary, I know it's necessary in order to get your hearts and your minds back to where they ought to be. Stayed on me. Let's go into the heart of the text. Jeremiah 29, 6 through 13 reads, Take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. In other words, you're going to be here for a few generations. Settle in so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. For, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, 
I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is saying to them, I need you to increase here because if you go into your feelings, you're going to diminish. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be cast down. You're going to be looking to the day that you get out and you're going to end up spending all of your days and you're going to have no one to follow. He said, so I want you to have, give your sons and daughters, let them get married. I need them to also do the same because you are going to increase here. When I bring you out, you're going to be greater than you were when you were going in, when you went in, because this was not about their weakness or the strength of Babylon. God said, I have caused this. It's the kind of thing, it's the kind of truth that's hard to grasp. When something happens that isn't good, it is not natural to think that God caused it. So they were struggling. That's why they were apt to believe a lie. Because what Hananiah said fit the picture and the image of God in their mind more than what Jeremiah said. Yet, God said it, and he didn't do it to harm them. They didn't know what God's plans were, but God said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Your thoughts towards yourself and your thoughts towards me are wrong because they've been defiled by lies and by divinations and even by the dreams that you've caused. You've caused the things that you're dreaming and you think it's me, it's in your own mind. I remember taking Psychology 101 as an undergrad, learning about the id, the ego, and the superego. I don't know a whole lot about it, I only took one class, but what I do know is the id is the place of repressed thoughts. It's a Sigmund Freud, Freud had this theory, which has been proven over and over and over again, have you ever had times when things come up in, in your mind, you're like, where in the world did that come from? I thought that was dead and buried, but it comes back. It comes from your id. And so there are some things that come to us in the night season that even might seem that it's good for this season, but it doesn't mean that it's of God. That's why we must know the truth, because that's what makes us free. It's not even understanding it, it is knowing it. When I see it, when I hear it, when I'm around it, there's, some, there's a witness in me that lets me know that that's true. The Spirit of God is that witness 
The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. You will not fall for a lie. You will not believe a lie if you walk in the Spirit. And that begins in the Word of God because the Word that He speaks, it's Spirit and it's life. It's in His Word. And so the, the children of Israel have now been confronted with truth and with the reality of what they're destined to experience and with their heads in their hands and with their faces to the ground, they're weeping because they, they feel that God has forsaken them. And so God had to send a word and said, no, 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 no. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. It is important, beloved, when we are in tough times, when we're in the middle of a pandemic, when we're moving into a season where they're talking about a twindemic. A twindemic is when coronavirus and flu meet together. But I'm, I'm coming to tell you today that even in that, God is covering his people. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. We need to know the thoughts that he's thinking towards us because just because things are bad are all around us, that doesn't mean that God has forsaken us because I don't care how bad it gets, God is still good. What he was trying to let them know is, I am still God. I am the one. Nothing happens in your life that I am not a part of. I have caused this. And if I've caused it, settle in. Plant vineyards. Build houses. I want you to get married. Give your children to get married because you're going to increase over the 70 years. And when I bring you out, I'm going to bring you into a place that I've always desired for you. But when I brought you out of Egypt, you still follow the gods of the Egyptians. You continue to be influenced by the nations of, around you. You let Samaria influence you. You let the Hittites and the Amorites and all of those cultures infiltrated you. And I've got to cleanse you. I've got to sanctify you afresh. I've got to bring you out of that so that you can be near me. I want you to draw near to me. You're going far away from me and you're repelling me away from yourself. I've got to humble you. I've got to bring you back to myself. And it's going to take 70 years. You're so far away. I can't do it until I bring you into subjection to a people who doesn't care anything about you. But I want you to know that I'm gonna take care of you even in this. And even though you've been rebellious, even though you've been disobedient, because I love you, I want you to know that I got a future for you. You have a future. You have hope because I will cause it to be so. And so settle in, it's gonna be all right. I know how it looks, I know how you feel, but settle in, it's gonna be all right. I've got you. There's nobody who can do you harm when I'm watching over you. I've caused this to be, and I'm gonna see it through, and I'm gonna see you through. He says, 
I want you to seek the peace of this city. I know that you see your captors as your enemies, but you're going to be here for a while, for 70 years, so you seek the peace of the city. I don't want you to be bitter. I don't want you to be bitter. I want you to pray. I want you to pray to me for that peace. Don't stop praying. Don't get so depressed that you stop praying. When you're in trouble, keep praying. Don't stop praying. That doesn't mean you're going to get out in 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. You're going to be here 70 years. That's my word. But I want you to endure praying. I also want you to have dignity, even though you're shackled. I want you to keep your dignity. I want you to plant vineyards so you can eat your own food. I want you to build houses so that you can own property. I know that your land is desolate. I know that they burned it up, but I'm the God who owns everything. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. You don't know this yet, but I got a plan to bring King Nebuchadnezzar who is ruling over you to myself. The day is going to come where he's going to bless my name, where he is going to glorify me. You are going to see the day where I turn the king's heart towards me. Just keep praying. Don't stop praying. I'm going to show you things that you know not of, and you're going to know that I am the Lord. The reason you're in this situation is because you let your prophets. It's interesting that God says your prophets. He doesn't claim them as his prophets. He said, because I never sent them. They're diviners. They talk about spiritual things, but it's not of the spirit of God. Everything that's spiritual is not of God. That's why we have to try the spirits. And so God is reminding them why they're in this situation, because they have been deceived. And in 2020, deception is everywhere. The places that you once trusted for information that is right, that is true, that is fact-based, very few of them exist because everything is communicated through the lens of ideology or tribalism or a partisan lens, and everyone seems right in their own eyes. And it's created the kind of division that the Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand, cannot stand, no kingdom, no nation, no house can stand when it's divided against itself because you bite and devour one another and ultimately you are consumed. And this, the temperature is at a fever pitch in our nation. And so I believe God is bringing the church back to the place where we operate in, 
we walk in truth, where we speak truth in such a way that we stand out from the world because when propaganda and alternative facts and all these things abound, we stay rooted and grounded in the truth and his church will come together. It doesn't matter what color, what race, what creed, what stripes. When we want God, and we don't want the things that the culture offers, we don't want the things as they erred that the Hittites have and the Amorites have. What we want is what God has. We want what is in his hand. When that is the focus of the church, then the church comes together in unity. And then when we pray together, we pray from the same perspective. We have the same posture. We bow down in humility and we look to the God who's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. But God said to these people very clearly, I'm going to hear you when you pray. I'm going to answer you when you search for me with all your heart. One of the challenges of our time is that there are too many people with divided hearts, divided hearts, and divided hearts lead to divided people. It, it makes it difficult for me to even have personal accountability and to live up to my personal responsibilities. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and that man should not think for a moment that God is going to hear him. You can't even go to God in faith when you have a, a divided heart. Double mind, heart, do those two things go together? There are thoughts that come from the heart and out of our mouth speak the abundance of that which is in our heart. As a man thinketh, as a woman thinketh, in their heart, so they are. And so there's a spiritual connection between the heart and the mind. And that's why you don't want a heart that is defiled, that is divided, because in and of itself, this same prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I can't, I can't believe the lie that the world has told for generations. Follow your heart. The Bible says, don't do that. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. See, that's the truth. But if I hear all my life, follow your heart. And when it's time to make a decision about a relationship, or about something important, about an idea that I have, and I follow my heart, I'm likely to be like the children of Israel and be deceived. It is so important to be able to answer the question, what is truth? Truth is not just what sounds good. Truth is not just what makes me feel good. Truth is the word that is spoken 
from the mouth of God. It is more necessary than our food. We, should, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And there is something that happened at the end of the 70 years. And next week, we're going to dig into that. We're going to look at what happens when Nehemiah, a governor, connects with the people who were in bondage. But I just want to say that God said that he was going to visit them, that he had a future and a hope, and that they could call upon him and pray to him, and that he would listen. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. There's a few things in here before I close that are important to note. He said, when you pray, I'll listen. There are times when my children talk to me that I listen, but that's my only response is listening. And then there are times when there's a request and I will grant that request, I will respond. Sometimes it's because behaviorally they've done something uh, good and right that I want to reinforce. But God says, I'll listen to you. But when I listen, I want you to know that I'm listening. Then you seek me. You seek me when you know I'm listening. Don't just seek me when you see the world around you change according to your perception that what, of what should be. Because I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know that I have a future and a hope for you. I know this. You will learn it when you seek me. He said, when you search for me with all your heart, not half-hearted, not with a divided heart, but with all your heart. When you do that, something is going to happen. Even though you are in a place that you don't want to be, even though you're in a strange land, and David said, how shall we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? They are in a place that they don't want to be. They feel weak, they feel abused, they feel taken advantage for, they feel as though their human dignity has been robbed, that they've been stripped. They've seen death, they've seen destruction, they've seen their temple burn, their houses, their cities, their villages burn to the ground. And yet God speaks a word of hope. I want to let you know that no matter what we go through in life, if God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God told them, after 70 years, I'm going to visit you. And he brought them out 
and they came out and they were joyful. And there was a generation who had heard of what God had done, but their experience was different from what they heard. And then the day came when they saw their release. God used what we would call a pagan to deliver his people who were a type of the church. He raised up Cyrus to do it. He, bring, he brought together government and the church to reestablish. And we're going to get into that more next week. And I believe that the truth that makes us free is going to be released as the people of God infiltrate different parts of society where we bring it together. I, my heart breaks when I see young people who are pessimistic about the future because they think the generation who's gone before them have made a shambles and that there is very little hope. It causes my heart to break when I see young people who fight for justice and think because it keeps happening over and over again, what is this all for? What's the use? But God said to his people, don't stop praying. Keep praying because I know something that if you keep praying, you're going to know. And it will be the kind of hope that springs up in you that lets you know that you've got a future. Regardless of what the generation before you hands to you, I can work it out. He can work it out. And he will work it out. I want to pray for somebody who feels like their future and their hope is coming to an end. I want you to know, and some even feel that it has come to an end, but I want you to know that your expectations as of today will be lifted up because God knows the thoughts that he has towards you. He knows what God expects you need to learn to expect because no one, no one can pluck us out of his hand. No one can change the course of the destiny that he set. Father, I pray for everyone who is feeling downtrodden, who feels like because of the things that are happening in our nation, in our city, the blood in the streets, the persistence of things that just don't seem to change. God, I pray that you would show your will. I pray that you would show forth your power in their lives, that they might know that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on, 
that you are in control and your thoughts towards us are good and that we have a future and we have hope. I pray, God, that you would speak in a language that is understood by all, that we might know that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, and that just because things are bad does not mean that we are forsaken because you are good and you're good all the time. You're beautiful in every situation. And now let your beauty be upon your people. I pray for those who are in the balance. They have a choice to make, life and death choices. I pray now that they would choose life. You are the life. Reveal yourself, Lord Jesus. Spirit of the living God, open their eyes and bring them into a relationship to the one who's ever able to give them everlasting life. In Jesus' name I pray, and by him we give thanks and say amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. May you always know that he is for you and for your children and their children and their children to a thousand generations. Go in peace and go with God. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.